begin with a tale from a free church congregation a little ways uh, north of here. Okay, it was this Sunday. So it was the first Sunday of a new year. And a woman in the congregation had bought very nicely, take note, she had bought her minister uh, a box of Ferrero Rocher chocolates for Christmas. Okay, very nice thing to do. And you know how it is, the minister had sort of opened this box of chocolates over Christmas and he had begun to tuck into these Ferrero Rochers. And he had managed to eat the lot, apart from one, that he was saving for the kids' talk the following Sunday, right? Now, fast forward to that Sunday service, the next Sunday. Now, the minister has given the kids' talk. And what he's doing is he's asking uh, the children all these different questions about the Bible. And he then presents this solitary Ferrero Roche to the child who gets the most questions right. Now, so far so good. I'm sure you'd agree. There's nothing terribly wrong there. Everything's tickety-boo. Except for the fact that the woman in question who had given the minister the sweets, she was sitting a couple of rows behind the kids. And she was, let me tell you, absolutely raging about this. You know, steam coming out of her ears. How dare the minister give away a present that she had given to him? How could he do this? This woman was absolutely livid. So much so that she, get this, she left the church, okay? And I don't mean so much that she sort of got out, got up and sort of stormed out, out of the service. I mean she left the church. You know, she, she never darkened the door of that building again. Now, <laughs> that's a true story. But I'm hoping you're sitting there thinking, that, that's just madness. I mean, that's craziness, Right? But I'm also hoping that you would accept that that is the sort of thing that goes on in God's church all the time. I'm hoping you see that the church of Jesus Christ is plagued by personality clashes, isn't it? That we, even as Christians, even as those who have been redeemed by Jesus Christ, we bicker, don't we? And we, we, we argue and, and we fall out all the time. Well, it's that topic, it's that idea of Christians quarreling that we are going to consider for a time this morning. Christians, <coughs> Christians quarreling. Now, I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to divide this sermon into two parts, okay? Just quite simply, two parts with two headings. Now, each of these headings are going to have two sort of sub-points to them. And I'll tell you how it will work. Very roughly, in the first half of the sermon, we're just going to think about how we as Christians can try and avoid disagreements with each other, how to avoid it. And then in the second half of the sermon, what we'll do is we'll think about how do we, how do we cope with these things? You know, how do we deal with these disagreements when they arise? So you're with me, you know, how do we avoid it? How do we cope with them when they happen? So with all that said, 
tell you what, let's make a start. So I would invite you um, to turn with me. If if you could have your Bibles open um, at Acts chapter 15, then we will make a start. And this is our first heading. First of these two things. Let's consider causes of conflict and what we learn from Scripture about causes of conflict. (coughs) Excuse me. Now, I, um, I realize that some of you are, are visiting the congregation this morning. And uh, I also realize that some of you, like myself, have a memory uh, like a goldfish. Uh, so I, I suppose what I should do is, is, is really just recap on, on where we are in our study of the book of Acts. What is it that we've seen in the book of Acts? Well, you remember, I hope, if, if you've been here over the last few weeks and months that we have seen these guys, Paul and Barnabas, embark on a missionary journey. You remember that, I hope. You know, that Paul and Barnabas, they've gone to Cyprus, then they've gone into Turkey, they've planted all these churches, they've revisited all of those churches, and then they've gone home. We've seen that. Do you remember what happened next? We then looked at what was called the Jerusalem Council. And this big, grand, and important question about Gentile conversion, we saw that. And then, you may remember, just before Christmas, that the last thing that we saw as a church in Acts was actually, do you know what? It was a picture of, it was a rosy picture of harmony and and unity amongst Christians. It was a picture of all these Christians just living together, worshipping together in that church in Antioch, okay? Now, here's the thing. It is against the backdrop of that beautiful, (laughs) lovely picture of harmony that today we come to a section where we have got a serious disagreement between two great Christian men and... You know, see when I say there that it was a serious disagreement that we're looking at, I I really mean that. I mean, see Paul and Barnabas in those verses that we were reading just now, they didn't have a little tiff. It's not like one of them was in a bit of a half with the other, but, you know, it was going to be cool very soon. It wasn't like that. I mean, what you've got there, what we learn here is that Paul and Barnabas, think about the figures we're dealing with here. Paul and Barnabas have such a falling out that they go their separate ways. This wasn't a tiff. This was a serious, this was a proper quarrel that we are dealing with here. Now, if you and I just now are going to learn anything about how we avoid disagreements with Christians, then what we have to do is wrestle with Scripture here and work out, come on, what was it that caused this problem? What was the root of it? What, was the, what caused the problem between Paul and Barnabas? So here's your first sub-point. Please get your heads around this. We see in these verses that conflict can be caused by a lack of sincerity in Christian service. Now, that's a bit wordy for this time on a Sunday morning, so what I'll do is I'll repeat it. Hear it, please. 
problems in churches. Conflict can be caused by a lack of sincerity in Christian service. What does that mean? I'll ask you to do this. If you look at verse 37 in front of you, do you see who it is that this whole squabble uh, centers around in verse 37? Who is it about here? Do you see who it is? Verse 37. It's this guy called John or Mark. Bloke with two names. Now, if you've been eagle-eyed and alert in our sermon series in the book of Acts, what you're thinking there is, wait a minute. We've encountered, we've met this guy, Mark, John Mark, before, haven't we? Because get this, this guy, Mark, that we're dealing with here, he actually accompanied Paul and Barnabas on part of their mission trip. So this guy, Mark, we're dealing with, he was with them in Cyprus. Remember with all that stuff about Bar-Jesus and the Roman proconsul? Mark was there for that. And then what happened? Well, then Mark left. Before Paul and Barnabas got into Turkey, Mark called it a day, and he headed home for Jerusalem. Now, in chapter 13, when we were going through all that stuff, do you know what? No comment at all is made about Mark leaving and going back to Jerusalem. But what I need you to see, if we're going to understand that, is that man alive, comment is made here. You see, what we learn today is that the Apostle Paul saw Mark's leaving of him and Barnabas and, and Mark back to Jerusalem. Paul saw that as a, a sheer abandonment of the gospel. I mean, Paul saw this as, do you see what the word is? The word is desertion. Paul saw this as Mark having just, you know, jumped ship. Mark has, has, has quit. Mark is unreliable. Mark to Paul has jeopardized the, the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so do you see it? When Barnabas in these verses here comes to him and says, Paul, Paul, see this new mission trip we're planning? Any chance we can take Mark along with us? Do you see how Paul reacts to that? He said, you've got to be kidding me, Barnabas. Mark is unreliable. Mark is insincere. And this whole thing blows up into this massive argument between Paul and Barnabas. My friends, I, I really would urge you uh, to think about this episode here. Because surely what we're seeing there with Mark is one of the principal causes of disagreement in churches like ours. Isn't it? I mean, problems start with a half-hearted and, and maybe insincere attitude to Christian service, doesn't it? Isn't that how problems often start in churches? When, you know, office bearers in churches, or you know, people on stewarding rotas, when we when we don't serve as we should, what happens? It causes problems, doesn't it? Disagreements, maybe not. You can think about it with Mark. Maybe the problems don't affect us so much, but it sure causes problems. Well, this morning, what I want us to do is really to 
think about this, but to take advantage of, of, of where we are in the year. And really what I'm calling for is in, in 2015 that we change the way that we are viewing Christian service. That this year, we don't think about these sorts of things. You know, church rotas and church courts. That we don't think about these things as us having to do our bit in the church. That we don't think about those sorts of things as having to try and win approval of men. Or worse, winning approval of, of God. That we start to see these things for what they are. That we refocus on the, on the gospel. That we refocus on the fact that Jesus Christ has saved his people from their sin. And what are these things? They are God-given opportunities to serve him. To serve him in, in love. To serve him with, with gratitude. Do you see it? And look at the knock-on effect. Look at the benefits of this. If we as people as a church serve Jesus wholeheartedly, what happens? It protects people from disagreements, doesn't it? You know, it kind of guards us against falling out with our, our fellow brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. What happens? It simply glorifies God. So what we have to see here is that Mark's indifference, you know, Mark's sort of apathy, his lack of seriousness about Christian service, it caused Christians to quarrel. Okay. So conflict can be caused by a lack of sincerity. Fine. Second thing to think about here, <coughs> excuse me, is that conflict can be caused by family allegiance. Okay? Conflict amongst Christians can be caused by family allegiance. And I'm on dangerous ground with this. I think. Now, in this disagreement that we have here between Paul and Barnabas, I hope you see that Luke, the author of this book here, does not apportion blame. You see that? Like, we know what the problem centers around. We know that the problem is about this guy, Mark. But ask yourself, was Barnabas wrong to want Mark to come along with him? Was Paul wrong to say no chance? Luke doesn't really tell us. Do you see that? I mean, Luke does not really, in a concrete way anyway, he does not apportion blame. Fine. But despite that, what I think we can just now is almost speculate. Now, not speculate about who is directly at fault here, but I think what we can do legitimately is speculate about what aggravates, what adds to the tension between those men. And to do that, I would ask you to focus and just to think about Barnabas for a moment. See, if you're anything like me, when we read that portion of scripture, do you not find it a little bit odd that Barnabas wants to take Mark on the mission trip? I mean, I get the fact, I mean, I dig it that Barnabas is the, the son of encouragement. You know, I understand that was his nickname. And uh, I understand that, you know, he's a forgiving guy. 
But do you see, I mean, given the fact that this guy, Mark, has jeopardized uh, the work of the gospel on that mission trip previously, do you not think it is a bit strange that, that Barnabas here is just so adamant? I mean, he is just so determined that, that Mark comes with him. Isn't it? Do you not think it's a bit strange? We be weird. Ah, then we remember, though, what we learn later in Scripture. We learn later on that this guy, Mark, was Barnabas's cousin. We learn that these guys were very close family relations. And surely, if nothing else, that sheds some light on Barnabas's attitude here, doesn't it? I mean, he is, he is here adamant. He is stubbornly insisting that hey, we choose no one else, but it's this guy, Mark. We take Mark on this mission trip. Why is he so determined? Why is he so adamant? Because he's family. Is that not part of it? He, he, he loves this guy, Mark. He wants this experience for his family. He, he cares for him. And does that not seem to at least here cloud his spiritual judgment? And follow me here, because if we are saying that that first thing, insincerity causes problems in the church, then, again, man alive, are we saying that this family allegiance causes problems in congregations, doesn't it? Aren't we so overly sensitive if there is an issue or a problem in a church that concerns our parents? Aren't we overly sensitive if there's an issue or a problem in our church and it concerns our kids come on or our spouses we have to be on our guard that that does not occur in this place in the new year we have to be so careful in 2015 that family ties that they do not interfere with or in any way jeopardize the work of the gospel of jesus christ So we see the causes of conflict. We've seen that if we want to avoid the disagreements, we need to engage sincerely in Christian work and ensure family ties don't get in their way. Okay, now, (coughs) please remember, if you will, what I said at the start of the sermon. I said that we would uh, look at two main headings. Um, so let's think here not so much. Let's go into this second heading. Let's think here not so much about how we avoid uh, disagreements in the church. Let's assume that there are disagreements in the church. And let's see how we as Christians, or what we learn here, about, what do we learn here about how we should cope and deal with those. So we've seen causes of conflict. Let's now think about coping with Conflict, And again, just a couple of things to mention. First of all, think about this with me, please. We learn here that when there is conflict, we need to continue, continue in the service of Jesus. When there's conflict, we continue in the service of Jesus. Now, I will assume that uh, some of you in here have been Christians for many years. I think that's a fair assumption. And if you have been involved in churches uh, for a long time and in various churches, I am guessing that you have seen 
Christians fall out with each other. And uh, you will know, I'm sure, that sometimes what happens, just like with my lady and her Ferrero Roshi, is that when Christians fall out, that what often happens is that one or more of those warring factions, that they get up and they storm off and they leave the church. I'm guessing some of you have seen that. I'm sure you would have a tale or two to tell about that. Well, please don't think for a second, even for a second, that that is what happens with Paul and Barnabas. Like, yes, we know in verse 39 here that they separate and go their separate ways. But I am urging you not to read that as though they huff and they leave the church and that they leave Christian service because that is absolutely not what happens with Paul and Barnabas. I mean, yes, we have got here a very serious disagreement about personnel, but I'll tell you what else we've got here. We have got from both Paul and Barnabas, even in argument, a continued focus on the gospel and gospel work, don't we? Let me ask you, how does this section begin? What is the whole thing about? What is the motivation here? Do you see what it is? Paul and Barnabas want to go and revisit all of those churches again. They want to strengthen the believers in the Lord. Then they have this big argument. What happens next? Do they think, well, we've had this argument, therefore forget those plans. We're not going back to those churches. Forget. Is that what we read? No, in some ways, what we've got here is an even more determined effort to reach those churches. Because what they do is they break up that missionary journey. And Barnabas takes the ones in the south. Paul takes the ones in the north. And they continue to focus on the gospel work. And when we think about that, I think we are actually confronted with something quite incredible by God's hand here. Because think about this one. It would appear here as though God actually blesses the church through Paul and Barnabas's argument. I'll say that again. Think about this. God seems to bless the church through Paul and Barnabas's argument. Do you see what I mean? Think about how it starts. You've just got one pair of guys. You've got Paul and Barnabas, and they are planning a discipling trip. But because they keep Jesus as the focus, because they are focused on gospel work, even in this argument, God works. And he turns what is one pair of men into two pairs of men. And suddenly you've got Paul and Barnabas, but you've also, you've also got Mark and Silas involved in discipling these churches. Do you see the point here? Maintaining a focus on Jesus, even in quarreling, it is blessed here I'm blessed by God. And so I'll say this to you, and I want you to think about this, and let me be as brutally frank with you as I am allowed to be. We are going to fight. 
I don't mean you and me necessarily. But we as Christians in 2015, we're going to fight because we care about the work of the church. And we are sinners. And you put those two things together and you know that in this new year that there will be disagreements between the people of God. But we are seeing here what we must do when that occurs. Friends, if there are personality clashes in this place, we must maintain our focus on the grace of the gospel. Let there be no huffing in here in 2015. No sort of running away if, if, if we fall out. None of that. If there are problems between us here, what do we do? We stay, we pray, and we look to Jesus Christ. And if we do that, even in quarreling, God may well just bless this church. And so hear this. At London City Presbyterian Church, just like it was with Paul And just like it was with Barnabas, discipleship must triumph over disagreements. Always. Okay, so there's quarreling and quarreling. Um, We continue in the service of God. Here's a last thing, our second sub-point in in the second half here. (coughs) Last thing. We learn here that when there's conflict, we must forgive each other. We must forgive each other. And I guess I'm, wait a minute, I guess I'm wrong when I say that. Like I, I've said we learn that here in this section that we, we must forgive each other. But we don't learn that here, do we? Like think about what, how this section of scripture ends. They're, they're, you know, with Paul and Barnabas, they're going off in their separate directions. There's not an awful lot of reconciliation there, is there? Like, do you see any forgiveness there between Paul and Barnabas? I don't see much of it at all. But by now you know how this works, don't you? And we do not just take one section of scripture in isolation and, and, and consider that, do we? We look at these verses through the lens of all of Scripture. And let me tell you this. There's something we learn when we look at the rest of Scripture. When we look at the rest of the New Testament, get this. Not only do we learn that Paul and Barnabas are reconciled later. You might expect that to happen given all that they have gone through. No, we learn something else. I love this. Look at the rest of Scripture and you learn that Paul and Mark were were later reconciled. You learn that this guy Mark, that he or Paul just thinks is a write-off, doesn't he? I mean, Paul looks at Mark and he just sees him as a complete liability. Do you know what we learn? (laughs) Twice and more later on, when Paul writes his epistles, 
he actually, such as the reconciliation and such as Paul's forgiveness, Paul actually recommends Mark to other Christians. And he recommends Mark as a trustworthy servant of Jesus Christ. He says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, and he's speaking about this guy. He's speaking about Mark, this unreliable, sort of hopeless Christian here. Such is the forgiveness. He says of Mark that Mark is very, I'm quoting, very useful to Paul in gospel ministry. Isn't that lovely? Isn't that amazing? Do you see, though, the lesson that there is there for us this morning? Like, I know that you have got Christians that wind you up <laughs> the wrong way, you know? I know that, that, that there are Christians in your past, maybe even Christians just now, that you have major, major problems with. I know that. But you see there from, 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 from Acts 15 what we have to do. We have to forgive those people now. We forgive them now. We wipe the slate entirely clean. I just ask you to consider what it is as a Christian you have been forgiven for by the Lord Jesus Christ. You only surely need to consider your own sin just for a minute. How wicked you are. How depraved we are. How can we possibly be unforgiving of other people in light of what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross? How can we be? And I'll, I'll end it like this. This is how, 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 how we'll end. I said in the sermon that over the next 12 months in LCPC, likelihood is there will be some disagreements. There shouldn't be, but there will be some disagreements in this place. I want to leave you with reason to praise God. And it is this. One day, it will not be like that. One day, Christians will not quarrel with each other. One day, we won't let our brothers and sisters down. One day, a day coming, where Christians will not annoy you. One day, Christian families will not squabble. One day, Christian families, Christian friends rather, they will not fight. One day, think about it, all Christians from all places on earth, from all times, we will live together. Imagine, we will live together in, in perfect harmony. It seems so distant. How, how can that happen? It happens because Jesus has acted on our behalf. Do you see it? It can happen because Jesus has healed our broken relationship. That he has taken our sin upon himself at the cross and now we as Christians are reconciled to God. It is us in him who are forgiven. So I say to you, that probably brings us to the most important question as we enter 2015. And it's this. Have you had your relationship with God repaired by the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you had your relationship with God repaired by Christ? Have you? If you have, you can rejoice this morning as we go into this new year. 
Because that separation with God is gone in Christ. And one day, yes, we will live with him in peace. But one day, we will also live in peace with all of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we will do so forevermore. Let's pray.